Welcome to Commons and Chronicles, the podcast where we talk about all the best creative commons and reusable open game license content. If you need resources for your creative writing, game design, or you just love lore, Commons and Chronicles is for you. You're listening to Commons and Chronicles. My name's Klaatu. In this episode, maybe a little bit piggybacking off of the previous week's episode when I covered Thacko, I want to take a look back at D&D 2E, AD&D really, and look at how monsters translate from 2nd edition to 5th edition. And the reason I think that this is something that is interesting to look at is because it reveals a lot about how monsters are built, what makes a monster. And it's it's worth mentioning, I think, too, that the, the, the way that we classify monsters in D&D, and really in games, has been influenced by those very early monster manuals of D&D and AD&D. Prior to that, as far as I know, monsters weren't really considered to be sort of part of one another's stories. I mean, there may have been some of that in the old universal horror movies, right? You might have had, you you may have pitted Wolfman against Frankenstein, or you might have grouped them together. But generally speaking, they were, uh, monsters are their own story. Frequently they are regional stories, but they're, they're their own story. And, and they're sort of, they're the monster of of their world and they are generally which is why they're monsters they're the most powerful thing in their world or 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 they're in the upper echelon of 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 power for instance you you didn't you didn't have people in in the eastern europe say well at least we got stuck with vampires and not with um a a a red dragon you didn't hear people elsewhere say well at least we got this tanifa and and not not a beholder you know we, we you didn't have that kind of hierarchy of monster until D&D as far as i know now i could be wrong but when i was a kid i i think i i feel like a lot of the nerd culture that was developing then into what we now know, I think, as as nerd culture proper, sort of the marketable, capitalistic nerd culture that we have now, and and that's the cynical view of it. I mean, there is still the pure nerd culture that exists, but I'm just saying that the one that most people would, would recognize as oh, that's geek culture or that's nerd culture, that that being developed when I was a kid was heavily influenced by D&D. Even even whether we were building D&D characters or we were we didn't think of what we were doing as D&D, uh, very very often we would talk in terms of D&D. For instance, while debating whether I don't know RoboCop or the Terminator would come out on top if they came to face one another in a fight, that kind of question and and the comparisons of skills and attributes was a very D&D-like thing. The the assumption that you could bring one monster in from one universe and another from another, put them into the same bubble, and then 
list them side by side and compare them is a very kind of D&D taxonomy style exercise, whether we think of it as as that or not. But that was what the, the monster manuals provided us. So questioning how these monsters are built and what they're sort of composed of is an interesting thing to do, I think. And one of the easiest ways to, I guess, compare or, or to analyze how a monster is built, really, I guess, the easiest way would be to build one yourself. And maybe I'll go over that in a future episode. I haven't decided yet. It might be interesting to build a dragon on the show. If if you think so, then then let me know. We'll look into that. But it's it's something that you can do a couple of different ways, as described in the uh, either the Pathfinder Bestiary or the D and D Dungeon Master's Guide. It goes into great detail. Well, it's really the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Monster Manual. You kind of need both. Which makes sense. If you're going to build a monster, you ought to have the existing catalog of, of, of monsters. You kind of need to be familiar enough with the monster manual that the Dungeon Master Guide makes sense. So both of those volumes, the Dungeon Master's Guide in for 5th for edition and the Bestiary for, the, for 3.5, both of them describe how to build a monster from either but by either reskinning an existing one which certainly is the easiest although i will also say that it is the least precise and and by that i mean by reskinning a monster you don't get the sense or the the understanding of how a monster or or how the monster stats affect affect the, the the game really the the build of that of that creature and the other way to 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 do it is to just build a new monster from scratch which it's about a 20 i say 20 steps i mean 20 outline steps and if obviously each of those steps has little paths that you will wander down and emerge from three hours later realizing that you're still on step five and and you got really distracted by trying to decide i don't know what special attack this creature should have or whatever or or where its armor comes from and i think that's the that's the crux here that's the that's the thing that's the elusive thing that we're not necessarily fully aware of all the time is is how do the the stats of a monster and the target of okay, I need this monster to be this difficult. How does how does that interact with the monster's abilities or or the monster's uh, overall um, the the attributes? How do the attributes and the skills interact? Is what I'm trying to say. So I think I found I have found a good way to to understand that is to convert monsters because then you really start to you start to pick the monster apart and you have to decide what about that monster you you should keep and what about that monster you you can throw out because it was after all it was just flavor and it doesn't there's no equivalent in the new version so it doesn't matter and anyway the math doesn't support it or the math does support it or what should I what should you select because of the math and so on and and I think that's the those are the different angles by which a monster can be viewed and by which you kind of have to learn to view them. There's the 
the mathematical view, the pure number view. It's not a very exciting view to some people. To others, it's the most exciting. But it, it's the part where numbers get assigned to this monster. It's the classification part of of if we could if we could take a sample of of these imaginary creatures and put them through a series of tests, we could come up with a number to classify the typical rating of a monster. There's also the 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 so-called flavor or the, the you know the fiction aspect of the creature, the the part that that players and DMs typically remember in retrospect. Like remember that one creature that we encountered that did this specific thing. And ultimately at the end of the day that's actually what you're porting when you when you decide to convert a monster from one edition to another. It, it's really those memorable things, like those things that stick out at, at you. Those are, the, those are the things that you're actually converting. The math doesn't always equate. There, there's not always a, a number-based exercise for you. But there's always the question of, okay, well, if this monster's... If, if a player at the, at the table knows this monster, whether I do or not, can I ensure that this monster evokes the same, you know, feels like the same thing in this game and in that one player's previous game? That's the most important thing to convert. And then finally there's the, what I'll call the, the mechanical view, which technically is the same as the math view i guess but it, it's it but it's really the combination of the math and the fiction view right because it's it is it is those things expressed as game objects so it might be very cool to know that a i don't know a ghoul has a penchant for eating human flesh that might be very that that might ring very true for a player who knows a lot about ghouls from that one campaign that they played. But how does it... And it might be fine that, that the ghoul's strength score or dexterity score is at some, at, at, some, at some level, at some stage. But how does that... What does that mean for a player in the game? So that would be what I would... What I'll, what I'll call the, the mechanical uh, aspect of, of a monster. You don't really get to see those play out all that well unless you do look at the monsters as they were, look at the monsters as they are in the latest edition, and see and see how and sort of make those two things translate to one another. Because then you have to start deconstructing the monster. That's really the the main advantage here is that you're you're deconstructing this creature with with so much precision and such a careful eye that you understand how each part affects the other part. And this is all spelled out in a conversion document that Wizards of the Coast released. It I'll include the link to it in the show notes. It is it is it, it reflects very much, or rather I reflect very much, what it itself says about this process being not just a, a numbers exercise it's it's about 
It's about translating this little segment of a story, which is what this monster is like and what it can do in a fight. So taking a 2E monster, second edition monster, let's take one that's in the that's firmly in the commons, and the, the one that I can think of off the top of my head is the ghoul. A ghoul is, it, it's a common name, the ghoul, that's, that's a common creature. We, we've encountered it already on this, on this series in Lovecraft, in the Dreamland saga, he, he describes ghouls quite well. Uh, the main character even disguises himself as a ghoul in order to get from one place to the other. So, so ghouls are, are quite well <clears throat> fleshed out uh, in 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 Lovecraft, and they're they they appear in other places too. Obviously, D and D they have ghouls. You, you have horror settings with ghouls. Shadowrun has ghouls. There's a whole book about ghouls in the Shadowrun um, expand. You know the novel, the novel um, series of of Shadowrun. I mean, as well as the game. But I'm just I'm referencing the novel. So they're they're quite well. They're a well-known monster in games, but they're they're also firmly, firmly a public domain monster. They are things that 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 games borrowed from the common consciousness. So looking at a second edition ghoul, we don't have a whole lot to work with, really. Uh, there are three different kinds of ghouls, and I'm just going to deal with one ghoul, which is the ghoul. Intelligence is low, 5 to 7. Alignment, chaotic evil. Armor class 6, of course, because of Thaco, 6 is pretty good. Not, not great, but it, it's... Yeah, it's not really all that good, actually. Movement is 9. Hit die, 2. Its Thacko is 19. Number of attacks that it gets is 3. Special attacks, it has Paralyzation. And it's got some special defenses. So there's no apparent bonus to an attack here. Which is significant, because if you think about how bonuses to attacks happen those are derived from a character's ability scores so in second edition if you see a bonus to an attack like a plus three attack then you know if it's a melee attack for instance then you know that that the creature must have a strength score that provides a plus three attack bonus, which if you know your D&D ability scores, you know that that means it is not 10, it's uh, 12, 14, 16 strength that would give them a, a plus 3, but that they don't have a plus 3, I'm just using an example. So in fact they have zero attack bonus on their melee attacks. They have a special attack, but that's not derived from abilities. So we can say with a relative amount of, of assurance or comfort that the ghoul converted up to 5th edition should have a strength really of 10 or, or 11 because there's no apparent as far as we can see here there's no apparent bonus to attack now if I look at the 
my copy of the 5th edition Monster Manual, I see that uh, on page 148 there is a ghoul entry, so that's handy to compare for, for a basis of comparison. And it looks like uh, there are a couple of different kinds of ghouls again, so I'm just going with the base level ghoul here. And it looks like the ghoul is a medium undead chaotic evil, so yeah, that's correct. Um, strength. So they give strength to a normal planal ghoul. They, they list their strength as 13, which gives it a, a plus one bonus, which I think, I think you'll, you'll agree is within an acceptable range of, 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 of a, a, an acceptable delta there. Um, that's, that's not too far off of what I said. I said 10 to 11. They're saying they're going to give it 13 for a plus one. And that's fine. That's obviously not, that, that, that's different than the 2e version, right? Because they have no bonus to attack in the 2e. Does it mean anything that the 5th edition gave them a plus one? No, I don't think so. It, it probably accounts, it accounts for sort of the, the relative, um, relative strength of, of most 5th edition build, uh, character builds. Okay, so that's that's how we calculate the strength, is to look look for some indicator that they have abnormal strength. And I guess failing that, you might, you know, you, you might try to look at a reason for them, you know, not to have a strength bonus. In, in other words, if you look at, especially if you look at the standard array, 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8 of D&D 5th edition, and if you try to assign those to ability scores for the monster... It's really just a matching game. And you look, and you, you're looking for their strongest trait. Or their weakest trait, if that's, if, if that's what you want to, to find. And then you can assign that the, lo the lowest number there. And even deduct more if, if needed. So dexterity is based on... Uh, or, or dexterity, we can when we're reversing it, we, we can base that on the AC rating of the creature. Because we can assume that anything over the base level of 10, just like with strength, we can assume that anything over 10 for dexterity would mean some kind of some kind of bonus. Now, ghouls, we, we might think of ghouls as as being someone who uh, is, is a little bit like a zombie. You might think they're really clunky and they kind of move slowly and and so on, but but actually, if you look at their movement in two e, uh, they've got nine movement, which is pretty good. It's pretty high. So I'm thinking that they're probably actually pretty high in their dexterity. Their armor class is six, which I mean that's not great. But it's not the worst thing in the world either. So overall, I get the feeling that these guys are, they're not slow and, and sluggish. These are dexterous creatures that could jump out at you and attack and probably get a pretty good chance at hitting you. Especially since they have this special attack where they, where they can paralyze you. 
Now, you can argue, well, that's probably some magical effect or something. And if you read about their attack, um, they the ghouls attack by clawing with their filthy nails and biting with their fangs. Their touch causes humans, including dwarves, gnomes, half-elves, and halflings, but excluding elves, to become rigid unless a saving throw versus paralyzation is successful. So it is through their touch that they transmit this paralyzation. So the overall feel of this is that they are are relatively dexterous creatures. And I guess if you're handing out the, the standard array, then you might think that it sounds possibly like dexterity is going to be one of their higher their higher rankings. And you can kind of um, you can look at some other things. For instance, um, intelligence, well we know from the second edition that their intelligence is low. It says intelligence low, five to seven. So that can translate almost directly in my mind to to the fifth edition score for intelligence. And morale is uh, given as being steady. Now, morale and charisma are not the same thing. They're just not. Um, but failing any anything better. I would say that I would equate the morale with with charisma. I I, I feel like they're they're somewhat related because when a, a bard, for instance, boosts morale, it is it is often a charisma based kind of action. Now, that leaves con and wisdom. So the constitution we can derive from just the the raw. The hit points, right? I mean, and the hit die for that matter. They have hit two hit die, so we should be able to calculate, or at least get a feel for for how sort of resilient they are. So, given all that information, I, I would say that dexterity would be one of their higher scores. Like we're talking, you know, probably a plus three or so in dexterity. And if I flip over here to my monster manual and look at what they gave it. Yeah, so they gave dexterity is a 15, so that's a plus 2. And it's very, very close to being a, a plus 3. 15 is one one mark away from being a plus 3, so that's practically the same thing. And then intelligence, as I say, we can do that directly. We can just say, okay, 2nd edition says intelligence is 5 to 7, which equates to low, so we can give it anywhere from 5 to 7 in our... In our, in our um, in our conversion. And 5th edition indeed gives it a 7, which is a minus 2 intelligence. There's no reason to believe that these are particularly wise creatures, so we can give it a, a, just sort of a standard, either a low or a standard score, so I'll give it a 10. 5th edition gives it a 10, officially. And then, as I say, the morale is steady in 2nd edition, which isn't the best morale, it's not the worst, they're just, they keep at it. So I'm going to give them a charisma, maybe of an 8, because they're pretty horrifying, uh, but they're dedicated to their cause. To me, that, that could feel like an 8. Let me see what 5th edition gives it. Gives it a 6, actually, so a minus 2 to charisma. That's fine. I think that's, again, within that acceptable range of... Of, of interpretation. 
I don't think I gave it a con score yet, did I? So con for two hit die for a creature of, of, of this level, that's not really that great. So I would probably give it maybe a, maybe a 12, like for a plus one con, maybe even a 10, a 10 or a 12. I would, I would maybe, heck, when in doubt, just go for that middle, middle range 11. Uh, fifth edition gives it a 10. So just, totally standard. So, I mean, th that's kind of the, that's the, that's the math, really, uh, in a weird way. That's, that's the, the reverse, the reverse engineering of the math. Now, on this mixed signals blog post that I'm referencing for the conversion process, uh, you can, y you will find that I, that, that they've got a Python script that will, that'll take numbers from the second edition thing, so the walk speed, the morale, the intelligence, the hit die, and so on, and and help you translate that into into numbers that that make sense in fifth edition. It's not perfect. It's a good starting place. Now, having done that, really, I think very arguably very minimal minimal. Uh, mathematics then it's just a question of coming up with with the, the the monsters the monsters flavor the monsters uh fiction aspects the the thing that people are going to remember i mean there are some other things you have to do too i mean for instance if you were creating a ghoul from the second edition you'd, you'd want to know what kind of what level of difficulty are you are you shooting for? And I, I I imagine one way that you would do that is you would look at you know the creature's size, the the creature's AC. What's the AC going to translate to really? And and you can do a direct conversion, uh, which I guess is some math that I that I left out. You can do conversion from from AC or, yeah from second edition AC to uh, fifth edition AC. By taking the uh, by, by taking 19 and then subtracting the creature's second edition AC rate rating, so just just for an example here, we've got this ghoul, which was at I think I said AC. The AC was six, so 19 minus six is 13. I can even I can do that in my head, so that means that. The, the ghoul here has a, a 13 armor class r rating. Which actually is another good reason to assume that it has high dex, right? It, it's not like the ghouls are probably wearing armor, so a lot of that is just either natural armor, but they're just human, so there's nothing special about their skin that makes them particularly robust. So it's, it's probably about dodging and things like that movement. So that would be a, a really good reason for it to have high dex. Other attributes about it you can you can derive from parts of the DMG or the Bestiary or the Monster Manual talking about building monsters. So how many hit die should the ghoul have? Well, that's spelled out exactly in the in the DMG or in the Bestiary. It tells you how to figure out what kind of hit die a creature should have based on the creature type, the creature size. And your 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 target CR rating, and then based on 
based on all of this, the, the big picture, saying, okay, well, here's this creature. It's got an AC class of, of 13. Oh, and by the way, the 5th edition official conversion puts our AC at 12. So we're, we're right in there, really. Um, hit points of 22, speed 30. So you, you look at this and you feel you, – you, you look at it and you say, okay, well, what, what kind of challenge is this? You figure out what challenge rating you're going for. You assign the hit points based on the challenge rating and so on. And then you, you, you need to, to get to certain numbers and, and you want to, and, and the certain numbers again are provided in the DMG or the, the bestiary. There's, there's a target for how much damage it should be dealing each round, an uh, average amount. But you've also got this flavor bit that you, that you've, gleaned from either folklore or from previous editions the main one in this case being that paralyzing attack that's that's going to be iconic whether or not you and i think it is iconic a player who's encountered a ghoul will likely remember that attack if nothing else they'll remember that for me i think eating human flesh would have to be up there it would have to be right right in there as as a as an iconic ghoul action that they that they hunger for human flesh so you'll want to find attacks that reflect that kind of characterization. You want to make sure that your ghoul comes across as a legitimate ghoul and not just as something that's been skinned as a ghoul. It needs those special attacks and those those special interests that a ghoul would have, and it should act accordingly. And that's the conversion process. That's building a monster from an idea, whether that idea is folklore or second edition or third edition or whatever, and putting it into the the modern system uh, that 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 makes a monster whole. I think it's a great exercise. It's a lot of fun. I, I've been finding it's a lot of fun anyway, and it's one of those things that you can you can do almost as a game in itself, and I, I guess I probably say that a lot, but I guess maybe that's how I view things. You can do a conversion and then look at at how some existing text converted something and 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 see how you compare. Not that it's a not that it is a contest, but it could be something at least interesting to to compare your interpretation as well as uh as as you know with the official professional interpretation so that's about it i think thanks for listening to this episode of chronicles and commons and i'll talk to you next time that's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me uh, via email at klaatu at member.fsf.org. You can also usually catch me in IRC as not Klaatu. I'm on the Freenode network. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.